The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. We're brought to you by Rival Fantasy, and I've been meaning to have the itch from Rasball on uh, for a while, ever since he took down year one of the Highlander Dynasty Invitational, Nick Ruse, uh, lead prospect analyst over there at Rasball. And that was, you know, a hell of a win taking down the, the Highlander in, in year one. Um, very, very tough field. Uh, you really, you know, that was, that was really a tough league to win. Um, so congrats again on that. Uh, what did you end up? What charity did you end up donating uh, that portion of your winnings to? Rainforest Trust, which I'm, it's so hard. I uh, this ties right into sort of something I do in a class I teach, where they're trying to find a way to move money, ideally in with sustainability to make the world a better place. And something I always like is the idea of just buying up chunks of the rainforest, but it's hard to verify like all the way verify that this money is doing the thing that it says it's doing. And that was uh, where I landed after I probably, probably went a little too, too much on the research of it, but it's, I don't donate a thousand dollars to a thing, you know, like, yeah. Uh, so no, I I that, get it. Yeah. Anyway, that's thanks. really cool. Uh, it was a tough, that, that, that league i have so much to say about this year in that league after all the punishment tyro estrada is on the list and that one really stung when somebody took tyro estrada from me in the, one, one of the drafts where people were just taking players off my roster and there was nothing i could do about it um unique setup that way obviously but i'm dealing with how kind of impossible it is to win in the second year and i yeah. think i even thought it like i think i had it pretty much well just throw bodies at it and but then when the deadlines would come up you'd have some time to trade and I would start thinking on it and I would be thinking what's a good way to game this out and I don't know it's it's a definitely a body problem because you're just losing players all the time in the offseason if you win the league it's like seven versus three the way six versus no seven versus three every other team loses three theoretically and you lose seven and did, and didn't you start a, uh, another like a spinoff league that was the intention <laughs> but uh, we didn't get to 20 and i could have probably advertised it on rasball and got to 20 faster and i think i'm going to do that next year i was surprised how quickly i could have filled it up 
I opened up late on Rasball and had more interest than I could accommodate right away. And so I will probably, I intend to sort of open a league up every year as long as I'm at Rasball around sort of startup season. But we didn't get to 20 and I was so stung <laughs> at the time that I was like, I don't know if I want to do this to somebody else. <laughs> like if I, uh, but I'm, I'm sort of eager for somebody else to win the Highlanders so they can have somebody to talk about it with <laughs> in this very dumb fantasy baseball way. You know, it's not real, but it's still uh, just a fun, interesting, but no, I switched to uh, kind of a different structure. Just uh, one of the things I loved about the Highlanders, they don't have dedicated minor league spots and uh but that's something I tended to game out. Like I love the guys who don't have 350 at bats yet. So I can swap them in to my lineup if I need them. And I tend to hold a lot of AAA players just because they uh, could be functional that year on an in and out basis. I kind of like how it's just 50 roster spots in this new dynasty I set up. There's no major minor plate appearance inning pitched. Just do what you want with your roster. And no, oh, it's been interesting so far. I am not doing well. No, I. No, I, I, I um, you know, I, I don't usually. Do, we should have done this before the the show, but I, I, is there any way you can like put some headphones on? I feel like I'm echoing a little bit uh, on your end. I don't know if you're hearing that at all. Um, I you, am maybe, not hearing it. Okay, maybe it's. I think we can we can power through. Um, so. I just updated my dynasty rankings uh, about an hour ago on roadwire.com, roadwire.com slash pod uh, for a, a free trial if you want to check those out. And the first two guys I wanted to talk about with you are two of the biggest fallers for me, uh, two guys that I used to kind of view as just absolute, you know, cream of the crop, dynasty building blocks, and they happen to be on the same team. And that's Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. Uh, it's just been kind of like the worst case scenario for, for Eloy where, you know, again, it's just lower body issues. And uh, even when he's been healthy, the, the performance hasn't quite been what we were expecting. And then uh, with Robert, um, you know, my main concern coming into the year with him was just how many games are you going to get from him? Uh, he's never played a hundred games in the majors before, and then now we're getting, you know, he, he's been pretty healthy, but the, the production, again, hasn't quite been there. Uh, and he hasn't even gotten injured yet. So what, what's your take on the, the value of those two White Sox? Uh, you know, should have been building blocks, I guess, for them and for Dynasty, and they're not really producing uh, as expected so far this season. Well, there's some debate on whether or not Robert and I just turned it down my computer just a little bit. Hopefully that'll. Nice. There's some debate on whether or not Robert's injured, right? Because he he uh, dogged it to first base that time, and then said he had the was it three or four days ago, and then missed two straight days because they said he had a hamstring. And watching that, I've had some. I turned forty this year, and I've got some back stuff going on. So if you hear me sort of make some sort of noise, that might be my lower back. And like I could have beat him to first base by a lot that time when I don't know everybody if you if you've seen the video of him going to first base the other day when he got benched it was pretty slow and um, 
I don't know. There's like a, as there's like a low sinking tide <laughs> brings down all ships. It's uh, the White Sox just have that stank on them. Like mm-hmm. the whole organization, just 80, $75 million to Andrew Benatendi. That's a totally disconnected, but it's just like that whole organization has this pall over it. And uh, I have some, you know, probably everybody who's in a bunch of leagues has some of those players. And um, I wish I didn't have any White Sox. I mean, Jake Berger is hitting really well, but it still is like a, Eloy obviously can't take care of his body. I mean, I don't want to say obviously. It's just part of the reason I mentioned the 40 thing is like bodies are difficult. Like it's something as a young sports fan, I don't think I understood at all. Like just how hard it is to keep a body functional and healthy. And neither of those guys seem to have that skill. And uh, maybe they learn it. But I'm kind of out on both of them. If I could divest, if I could get rid of either, I would. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where, where I am, too. Um, Eloy uh, and Robert, I bumped to just outside my top 100 uh, for Dynasty, which is basically kind of like a like a, I'm telling you, like, if you can get the name value price for them right now, I would recommend doing that. That's um, yikes. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of, um, you know, I think it, it might be too late, uh, especially – uh, with Eloy, uh, I think there's, I think more people are kind of done with him than with Robert. Uh, and with, yeah, with Eloy, you know, he's just, he's so big. Uh, every one of these lower body injuries, and this was like the one knock I had on Eloy as a prospect was that he just always seemed to miss 30 games with some sort of muscle injury, some sort of lower body injury. And that was even when he was a, a teenager and in his early twenties in the minors. And it's just kind of snowballed and I feel like all these injuries are are kind of connected and it's connected to just how big of a guy he is. And like you mentioned, Jake Berger, I I love Jake Berger and I'm just really terrified that when Jan Mankata comes back, that he's going to get squeezed again. Uh, Even though I think he's basically been, uh, I mean, he's basically been their best hitter this season. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so, how how do you do you see there being room for for all these DHs and corner infielders and corner outfielders that they've assembled who basically all should be playing DH, um, but they only have the one spot and they have to use it on Eli to try to keep him healthy. Yeah, they have had the same problem forever, and they get you know they Jose Abreu too late for nothing. Uh, walks away and you think, you know, I, the, the thought is, well, that'll help and it should help. But um, Jake Berger got dropped maybe, I don't know, last week, but a really good dynasty player in one of my 15 team leagues. And then the guy, I don't know, picked him back up for like $132 out of a thousand dollars, like a week later, it's like Berger, Berger can make it hurt. Like if you don't, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's a catch 22 if you have him right now. Um, nobody's probably going to trade for him. You, you can't really drop him. Otherwise, you'll see him hit a few home runs and you want him back right away. I don't know. I guess your your angle is that Eloy continues to get hurt and, and Berger plays DH. It's 
it's that time of year where the lack of sorting gets irritating, like teams that can't sort properly. But like, you know, I, the Cardinals come to mind right away as like, how can you not sort your own guys? Like you, they're your own guys. Like you get to see them all of the time. Like, you know exactly how they respond to everything. And yet the Cardinals have proven fairly inept at just sorting their own players. And this, the White Sox seem to have a similar issue. And it uh, rings true, especially for me, uh, because I have Berger as my underdog in the Highlander, and I also have Eloy as uh, basically one of my top three keepers entering the year. Um, so it's I have been... Robert. <laughs> I took Robert seventh overall <laughs> last year. <laughs> yeah, it's. Crazy. I, I thought about trading him last week, and then I thought, you're not going to get anything for him. I mean, so. Yeah, we're both – it sounds like we're in lockstep on those two guys. And then a couple other outfielders that were kind of big fallers for me uh, that I want to just mention briefly before we get to the guys who are big risers, uh, Riley Green and Dalton Varsho. Uh, Varsho obviously has not played any catcher, so this is possibly the last year that he gets that kind of added um, source of value of being catcher eligible. And – you know, he's hitting below the Mendoza line. Uh, every projection system has him kind of, you know, being at least a 230, 240 hitter the rest of the season. But, uh, and at least the stolen bases have been there, but just not really uh, hitting for a ton of impact right now. And then Riley Green, I would generally kind of preach patience, but I think we're probably kidding ourselves if, if we don't have to kind of devalue him slightly based on, uh, this start to the season. Um, where are you at on, on Varsho and Green for, for Dynasty? Um, this computer kind of got me through COVID, so it gets a little testy if I look around too much, but I'm pretty sure Varsho was dreadful for the last, I don't know, 60, 70 games of last year. So it's pretty concerning that it's uh, just an ongoing trend of him being kind of overmatched. And... Uh, like you say, without the catcher thing, he's like, a, I don't know, uh, Kevin Kiermeyer is <laughs> out producing him so far. I, I don't know that, I, I don't know. He's not, he's not unique as just an outfielder. And uh, Riley Green is one of those guys that I just never really liked, liked. I don't know. We've never really, he just doesn't. Uh, and it's another thing where I don't, the Tigers are sort of going to have to, at this point, I'm going to have to see it. I really like Kerry Carpenter. I think I maybe made you an offer for Carpenter in the hot. Who knows? I had so many players around the league. But I like Carpenter, but it feels like he's going to have to succeed in spite of the organization. And it was one of those things this offseason where they were – I don't know if it was just beat writer stuff or, like, they were talking about he's not a starter on the team. And it was like, he's the only guy you have who hits. Like, he is literally – the only one you have, him and Eric Haas, <laughs> you can scrounge up two hitters. And, and I don't know, I, I'm kind of out on the Tigers until you'll see Torque drive one to the gap and you'll be like, all right, let me go look. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not good. <laughs> no. And they, uh, yeah, the, the Kerry Carpenter thing, it's, it's, he was the only guy really, like you said, kind of coming into the year where I, I would have felt pretty good about projecting him for 25 homers if he played enough. Um, and, you know, he's on the IL. 
so yeah, I, I thought with the new regime, maybe we'd see some gains. We we have seen, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez has pitched well, um, but it's really, you know, there, there haven't really been many many gains at all um, via this this new regime. And uh, yeah, it's it's not not working out the way that Riley Green owners thought it would. Uh, and on the flip side, we have a bunch of outfielders. That was the one position where I just really kept noticing like, wow, like this guy's breaking out. This guy's trending up. Uh, there's just a lot to like here with, with these guys. Uh, so I kind of want to get your, your take on whether you're sort of buying what they're, they're showing so far or whether uh, they might be guys to, to sell high on uh, the guy that I, I'm kind of the most intrigued by just, like his upside is is Josh Lowe, but again, he's he's basically playing half the time, even against righties lately, uh, because of just how many bodies they have in that outfield. And but when he has played, it's just been kind of the best version of what you could have hoped for out of Josh Lowe, hitting for power, hitting or stealing bases, uh, and he's got the strikeout rate at twenty percent, which is just I, I don't think. I would have ever expected Josh Lowe to have a, a strikeout rate that low in 20 games at the big league level, uh, even like in a best case scenario. And I, and I assume the strikeout rate will, will go up, but uh, how much are you buying what Josh Lowe has done through 21 games and you know, how, how do managers, do, do they just need to kind of be patient with this playing time situation in Tampa Bay? Yeah, I, I think it's sort of a, I don't want to say beggars can't be choosers, but in a weekly league, there's like a level of, you know, he's not going to play enough, but it's like he's he's probably going to have a three in the stolen base plus home run column, just sort of in an average. I mean, just the way he's playing right now, he seems to be good for plus in both homers and steals on a weekly basis, plus in batting average, and he's in Tampa, so he's probably – I haven't looked at it in a minute. He's probably push and runs and RBIs for three, four outfield spot in the standard 15, five outfield setting. He's probably number two or three. I mean, he's, he's probably higher if you lay it all out and where does he go than, than I'm even thinking as I'm trying to give him a bunch of credit. Like he's probably a number two outfielder right now, just the way he's playing. And Tampa's good at sorting their guys. It takes a while. They are also good at playing everybody. They're, Something I love about Tampa is like a T-ball style mentality. Like everybody gets to hit, you know, everybody's got to get their cuts in. And uh, it just really works for them. And I, I'll trade the bad days, I guess, you know, like if he's going to miss some 0 for fours or something, that's a rose, rose colored glasses way of looking at it. It's just sort of a middle reliever type advantage. I don't, I don't need the 240 batting average if I can avoid it. I'll trade some runs in RBIs. Yeah, and the, the most the only time it's really frustrating is when he's sitting in the first game of the week, and yeah, then you're paying, you're paying. Then you kind of just have to make the, uh, you know, you just have to kind of take the leap of faith. Like I know he's not playing today, but he's he's probably going to start four or five games the rest of the week. Uh, what about uh, what about James Outman? You know, he's he was, a guy who uh, I sort of when I was thinking through the, the stuff you sent me, I had sort of connected it to Eloy. Like if somebody is listening with Eloy or if I have Eloy and somebody has Outman, um, let's talk. You know, I don't know where they're at, 
but I'm definitely taking Outman over Eloy right now. And I don't know if you have to do that. I, I think you might be able to get third round pick or something back. Who knows? Depends on where the Eloy people are, but I, I like Outman and it's another situation where it's more and more, it feels more and more true every year that it's just an, you're betting on orgs and it's nice to also be really into the players and know what you're doing, but the Dodgers know what they're doing. Like uh, even if Outman struggles, like the key point is when Outman bottoms out, cause who doesn't it's baseball. There's people with the Dodgers there to help him. And so when Luis Robert bottoms out, I don't know what happens. O'Neill Cruz bottomed out last year. He got his own guy in. Like he called his own hitting coach from when he was a younger human being. I mean, it's a professional baseball organization. He's not trusting the help he's getting there. And then it worked. And I think there's something in that too. Like don't, you know, not that there's a bunch of baseball players listening, but like, you know, you don't have to just do only the things the organization is teaching you. I'm sure I'd love to hear that. But. Hire your own hitting coach. I'm sure that'll go over great. <laughs> yeah, uh, betting on betting on Dodgers players is is usually a, a sound way to go. Uh, I I tested that theory out this year in a couple leagues on Noah Syndergaard, and it it turns out that 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 was maybe a bridge too far. But uh, <laughs> they, they can't fix everyone. But you got to uh, find the control set. Like Syndergaard is now the control set. It doesn't work past this point. Yes. Hayward too. People were like, "Let's see about Hayward," you know, for a right. little bit. <laughs> and you know, Outman is. I, I assume the strikeout, like I, you know, it looked like a couple weeks ago, and he was kind of in the mid twenties, and now he's up into the mid thirties with the K's. So the the K's are going to be there with him, but uh, you know, he's he's had thirty five more plate appearances than Low, which is uh, you know part of that is I think. You know, Lowe was slower to, to get going in terms of playing time, but um, Outman's playing a lot. He's, he's over 20 runs, over 20 RBI. And, yeah, I mean, you in, in OBP especially, uh, he's, a, he's a great young outfielder to, to build around. And I do have him ranked ahead of Eloy now, so I definitely co-signed that idea of, of trying to make that swap. Uh, what, what do you think about uh, Jared Kalnick? Uh, I, I thought there was, you know, a decent chance he could provide value this year, but I, I thought he would get platooned. I didn't see this type of start to the season from, from Kalanick coming. How, how far ahead uh, above his head do you think he is right now? Um, so I saw Kalanick's new, like he's got a new hand thing. Um, and I did not like it. Like it, it, it's like a sort of an extra, it's not quite uh, Justin Turner, but, but he's got like a, a hand trigger that obviously is working for him. And um, I don't know, it's, it's uh, I would not be buying because it's a lefty in Seattle. Um, not that, but lefties in Seattle have succeeded in the past, but it's, this stadium is particularly tough uh, on left-handed hitters. And I just don't, I suspect it's already like Kalanick is full value. 
and there's no scientific, I'm not, obviously nothing behind this. It's just that I don't know that there's an, if you don't have Kalanick now, it's probably over. Um, and I don't know if you can sell him either. So he's another catch 22. There are a lot of players I feel who are kind of like this. You're just kind of stuck with them um, until something shifts. Uh, I would be selling Kalanick if I had him now, but I don't have him now because yeah. I never yeah. really liked him as a player. And so, like, if you came to me asking for him, yeah, I'll give him to you. But anybody who has him, I think they were in. Right. They might have right. gone through some pain. And so now they want him. And I just doubt the price lines up in any real way with the potential profit for him. And Outland, yes. too. Yes. Outland might be in a similar, like, I don't know that there's much. I think Josh Lowe, I think. I don't know if you say it, but you're, I don't know if you're leaning this way, but the, he seems like a, there's still profit there if you went and tried to go get Josh Lowe pretty aggressively. But anyway. Yeah, and that's, that's yeah, always true with the guys. Like, if, like with Kelnick, I think you and I are in the same boat here where like we weren't really that in in the first place. So it's easy for us to sit here and say, well, I would sell high. But obviously, like you said, the people that do have him, have him for a reason they either bought low before the season or they just wrote it out through all the struggles uh maybe if they bought low before the season that that person might be more willing to flip him around and, and turn a quick profit but uh if you've been kind of sticking it out with kelnick for multiple years you're probably less likely to unload now that he's finally producing uh what about uh what about lars Nupar? uh you mentioned the the cardinals um not sorting their players very well, but they they definitely like Newt Bar. Uh, you know, they've, they've kind of gone out of their way to, to make sure he's playing and hitting high in the lineup. Uh, there, there's kind of a big gap right now between his batting average and his OBP, so format is is important with him. But what are you seeing from Newt Bar so far? Um, so at Newt Bar is an interesting case. I traded for Newt Bar last year at like a good time to trade for him kind of, and then picked him up in a 12 team league that was OBP. I felt like I was getting good outcomes from him, but it was always like, this is a big risk in, in a, in a way like you're, I never felt like settled. Now that I have new bar, I'm set at that spot. And, and I kind of think that's always going to be the case with him. Like it, it's not that, He's not going to be valuable. It's it's just that um, he's the kind of player where you might always be looking looking around, seeing if you can do a little better than him at that spot. Um, and again, this depends on the league. If it's an OBP league, I think that changes that. I, I like him in an OBP format more than more than that. I think he's probably you're probably long-term you're looking at him as a long-term piece, I think in an OBP format right now, um, especially because it looks like he'll stay at the top of the lineup or near the top of the lineup. But again, it's the Cardinals. So I don't know, you know, they could change that pretty fast. Yeah. One thing to yeah, note with him is that he's been hitting the ball on the ground a ton. Uh, it is a very small sample. Uh, and that wasn't really an issue for him uh, last year. He had the, like a 44% ground ball rate last year. It's up over 60 right now. I assume that's going to come down, but uh, something to keep an eye on with him. Uh, 
Jack Sawinski, Captain Jack. I I was a fan last year, but definitely did not see uh, him being a guy that was uh, this sort of well-rounded for, for Roto. Uh, I kind of just thought he was going to be a low-average slugger who uh, played a lot because of his defense. And that may still be the case. Uh, we'll see where the average settles with Sawinski, but six homers, five steals, uh, 375 OBP. He's already been worth a, a win above replacement, again, because of the defense. Uh, is Sawinski a guy that you're buying, or is this – did we just see, like, the best month of Jack Sawinski's career? Well, maybe both. Um, <laughs> like, like the, the, the chase rate uh, – I was looking at his stat cast page. The, cha- the chase rate's out of control. Like, he's, he's really chopped his chase rate down to not like quite you know trouty in levels but it's pretty incredible to make that kind of leap for a month in a second year i think means something like it's hard to know what really means something and i don't believe the no offense to ron chandler like just because he did it once doesn't mean he owns that skill like like uh, a month though in your second season after the rigmarole he went through last year like like it isn't just a dude who had a rookie season and then went and had an off season and came back. It's a dude who got demoted when he was leading the league in home runs for rookies um, and led the league in home runs for rookies for like a month after he got demoted. Like it was a really interesting, he just has had an interesting path and I'm in, but like, I don't know. I, I He was a free agent in a 15 team dynasty and he went for like $110. And I was thinking I'd have probably gone 111. I was sitting there with like a $37 bid thinking, you know, why not? Um, Out of a thousand, I was just undercutting it. I didn't have the chase rate info yet when he was a free agent. And maybe it wasn't quite where it is now yet, but people are trying to avoid him and he's not chasing. And that can go a long way. And, And it also sort of like, sets you up differently it, it's not just that uh you're not swinging at, at pitches that are hard to hit it's now going to be like uh i don't know if exponentially easier but much much easier to identify the pitches you will be able to hit um not just because of the count but also sort of uh you are letting everything low go so you're zoomed in i don't know I, i'm in i'm in on Sawinski until he proves it differently i, I don't think he's Juan Soto from years ago, whatever Juan Soto is now. But um, I, I do think Sawinski's locked in now, and that park's great for lefties, and it's got a great batter's eye, and they have a lot of momentum. Yeah, 114 for Sawinski, uh, 48% hard hit. He's just crushing the ball, uh, 21% barrel rate. Um, and I, I noticed the chase rate earlier in the season, too, and that, I just I had to do a double take because it was just kind of like how how did what he happened? get good so fast? Yeah, what happened really? I mean, I feel like there's some video game eyeball training stuff, something going on. Because um, it was Charrington when Mookie Betts that video game eyeball training story came out. Now that I, now that that's coming together, I'm pretty sure Charrington was who was running the Red Sox at the time they were using this gaming. Anyway, sorry. No, oh, no, that. that Go ahead. Um, yeah. So, how about how about Brandon Marsh? Uh, you know, his, his unsustainability is is 
probably the most obvious of these guys just because of the, the Babbitt being through the roof. But, uh, you know, he, he's kind of been uh, another guy where it's sort of like the best version of, of himself so far. Uh, you know, he, he's that Logan O'Hoppy, Brandon Marsh trade is, is a really fun one. And I, I still don't really know who's going to end up looking better on that one because O'Hoppy looked awesome before he got hurt. Uh, but what, what are you seeing from Marsh? And is this a guy where like the crash is going to be steep and you might want to unload him now, or is there something here that we can, we can ride all season? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that it's sustainable as, uh, as Captain Jack is, um, no, but I, I do think he's got, the right setting to sort of float him when he's, I, I don't know. I, I like Brandon Marsh in terms of uh, that trade for the Phillies. And, and I think he's been a great fit for them. I don't think he's going to be a great fantasy player. Um, it's, it's just, it's just hard to strike out. We'll see if he makes the lead, but it's just hard to strike out that much and then not have, elite power he does have you know good outfield speed but that's a little different than base running speed and uh i but he's you know right there next to trey turner maybe he learns how to swipe a bag a little more than i i just have i just don't think he really has a skill set that works great for our game it's he's one of those center fielders who is always a no doubt center fielder always going to be a plus defensive center fielder. And that always was baked into his Pache style profile. And it's hard to then like correct across time for these guys who have been rewarded forever in public facing non-fantasy lists because of their just, I mean, it's kind of otherworldly to be able to look at a 19, 20 year old and say, that's definitely a major league center fielder. And so you totally get why he gets that grade, but I just, even though he's thriving now, I, I, I still sort of carry this. He had like a, a Johnny Damon style armbar thing that I didn't really like, and he kind of got rid of it. But it's you still see it, like you still see traces of it. It sort of caps him until he can fully, if he can fully get rid of it. Anyway, not not a big Brandon Marsh believer long term. Kicking myself that I didn't grab him this year. I had a lot of chances, and I thought about it though. Yeah, he, was, he, was really, he was really cheap for sure. Um, yeah. I, you know, the, the center field defense is nice because it does kind of guarantee him uh, playing time because, you know, he's not, you mentioned Pache. I mean, he's still significantly better offensively than, than Pache. Uh, but yeah, the, the speed thing is, is a good point. Like I don't think people were expecting him to have, four times as many home runs as stolen bases through a month. Uh, I just look now just to check in because I remembered it wasn't going great yet. And I was like, one, one, still just one. They ain't even throwing over, dude. What are you doing? Like, you know, everybody else yeah. is just going like crazy. You got one steal <laughs> and you're on base yeah. a lot yeah. more than usual. Right. It's disappointing. Um, Pass. Sorry. Now, Joey Weimer has three steals, and 
He's been uh, bet. I think he's kind of had his hottest sort of stretch of the season here over the past like 10 days or so. Uh, another guy kind of like Josh Lowe, where like a 21.6% strikeout rate for Weimer. That's just way better than I would have expected. Uh, he might've been sacrificing some, some power for, for contact. Uh, but even so, uh, just that he's kind of done enough to not get sent down. His defense is off the charts, obviously. Uh, but is Weimer someone where there's there's enough kind of encouraging signs where you might try to buy high on him? I'd sort of rather default, if I could, to you. I imagine you've seen more Weimer than <laughs> I have. I'm, I'm aware you're a, a Brewers uh, fan. I don't know. My my instinct would be not to buy high on him, partially because I just, I don't know, it's it's hard to buy high, um, especially on the rookie who's the rookie right now. Um, but what do you think? Would you be buying high? I guess buying high maybe buy isn't high. the right term for him uh, because buy he just. <laughs> I, I I don't know I I. I just I have no idea how people are valuing him because it's it's kind of a it's an ugly slash line. Um, the the tools that we know are there aren't showing up just yet, uh, especially the the power. Uh, I mean his his defense has been. You know, he's one of the most fun defensive players I've I've ever watched, uh, especially outfielders. Uh, he can just make every single play imaginable. Uh, and can play a really good center field and a really good right field, which is a rare uh, ability. Um, and then the, the Garrett Mitchell injury kind of locks him in, I think, um, you know, unless he just really kind of stumbles. So I, maybe buying high isn't the right phrase, but just kind of buying or just kind of investigating to see what the yeah, price yeah. is. Just, just check in. I, I, I got no problem with checking in on him. I, as you were talking about his defense, I was imagining, not imagining, remembering a play I saw him make in right field where he just comes from, you know, not on the screen and just makes this incredible run and catch right up against the wall that nobody's going to make who's not a rookie, who's that crazy an athlete, like a veteran is going to pull a Luis Robert well before he gets close to that baseball. But, um, yeah, I, I would definitely check in on Weimer. That's another thing where – I don't want to be throwing shots to an organization that you might. Uh, oh no! Like. I just the, no, the I, Brewers I, don't. I throw shots at them. Know, they, they, uh, yeah, they just struggle to develop their own guys, and I don't know. You know, it's 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 hard to know if it's a symptom of their skill at identifying uh, value that has fallen through the cracks in another organization and then it just sort of blocks their own guys or if there's something endemic. I, I, I think there's enough evidence to suggest it's just that they're really good at this other thing. It's not that they're not good at developing their own guys, but there is a question there of like, who's the last brewer prospect who became a fantasy regular on offense? Is it Braun? Is it that long ago? Um, yeah, I mean, for, for like a multi-year regular Braun, I mean, that, that, that Braun like weeks 
Hardy. Seemed like Lucroy for a minute. Then yeah, Lucroy's Luke got a count because Lucroy was yeah, Lucroy was like a yeah. top five fantasy catcher for multiple years. If yeah, I remember correctly, and he was so, there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I. It's tough because I don't think they're one of the worst orgs. Like I don't think they're in anywhere near kind of like White Sox territory. No, 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 no. Uh, but they and they know that this is an area where they need to, really like they know how bad they've been at developing um, hitters. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. Beamer's just he's so tooled up. Um, I, I'm I'm buying Weimer, um if I can, but. You know, his... he's, he's a little better than Corey Hart, right? And Corey Hart had some, I mean, he has some, he's reminiscent a little. And Corey Hart had some big years. Yeah, yeah Weimer's, a... Weimer's like a, a football caliber, like, athlete. Like, oh, yeah. He, yeah. like he's, his arm is just, it, he looks like a, like he could be a, a really good quarterback. It's just a, a cannon. Um and his his throwing motion is almost sort of like a, a quarterback's throwing motion. Yeah, um, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, he's he's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, so all, all those outfielders, it sort of sounds like uh, Josh Lowe and James Outman were in on Jack Sawinski were in on those. Those might be kind of the three where we're uh, most bullish on sort of what they're going to do going forward. Uh, does that sound right to yeah. you? Yeah, sounds right. We'll definitely check in on Captain Jack's team, see if they are hip to the chase right. Yeah, and you – he came in with such little fanfare that the the person that has Sawinski might not be fully kind of calibrated in terms of where his actual value is. So uh, if you could throw in like a, a bigger name um, – and do kind of like give them an opportunity to sell high in their mind on Swinsky. That, that might not be a bad idea. Oh, I mean, Swinsky is the kicker. So you're not tripping. I better go look up Swinsky. <laughs> is that what you mean? Like do a three for two or a two for two and have Swinsky be the second piece. Uh, well, I, I sort of meant just kind of, oh, okay. um, you know, somebody like offering them someone <laughs> where it just before the season, it would have been laughable to trade yeah. this guy for Sawinski, that type of thing. Full um, covert ops is what I thought you were talking about. I was like, okay, all right. I like it. <laughs> build a bigger thing and tuck Jack on inside of it. <laughs> Let me try to think if I could find like the right type of player. Um, like, do you think you could get, you probably could. I mean, could you get Sawinski for like Yelich? Yeah, hundred percent, right? Uh, I've got. I, I mean, I've got. I'm like, I don't know. You know, Yelich got him ranked about a... fifty spots ahead of Yelich at this point. So, Oof, um, yeah, and Yelich has had it has caught up with him. He's been bad-ish for long enough that it has caught up with him. I still think uh, you could do it in most leagues. Like if you offered Yelich, could you for get? Switch. Yeah, so that's that's a, that's exactly what I was kind of thinking. Like that type of name, uh, maybe Teoscar Hernandez. Um, yeah, also, and 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 you you even have to get past it yourself. I think a little bit. Like Teoscar's got all these years in the bank. It's like, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> that's in the past. <laughs> right, uh, and he's just not walking at all anymore. Um, yeah. 
All right, we're going to head to a quick message from our sponsors. When we're back, the Itch and I will talk about Cody Bellinger's amazing start and just sort of how in we are on this being who Bellinger is going forward. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. A new MLB season means it's time for a new kind of daily fantasy baseball. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played, and they've brought new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else. Rival Fantasy's games include Fantasy Bingo, Head-to-Head Player Challenges, and Fantasy Book, where users can select over-unders for two to five players. With games like this, daily fantasy has never been better. Right now, Rotowire listeners can get a $50 protected first play. That means if you win your first play, you keep your winnings. But if you lose your first entry, Rival Fantasy will fully refund you up to 50 bucks. Go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash sign up and use code RotowireMLB at sign up and deposit a minimum of $25 to get your first entry on Rival Protected up to $50. Now's the time to step up to the plate and become a rival today. Welcome to the arena. All right, Itch, Cody Bellinger, uh, he's he's basically, uh, I mean, I, I just, I didn't get him anywhere. Uh, I feel like he might end up being a, a league winner this year. Um, what, what are you seeing from Bellinger? Like, is he, is it just 2019 all over again with him? Um, like, I mean, he obviously, he loves, loves when there's a juiced ball in play. Uh, is this, it, it look it just it looks pretty sustainable to me. I don't know. Um, what are, what are you seeing? It sure does. I uh, 
I'm a Cubs fan. I don't watch all of the Cubs games by any means because I don't have a local cable package. I have the MLB TV, but I will watch a bunch of them on replay. And I do watch MLB TV big inning, which it sounds like they're after that. Big inning is good this year, man. Much better than it has been in the past. They're, they're chasing that red zone action. Um, I uh, He just looks like Cody Bellinger, and it's sort of a case a strike against what I was saying about the Dodgers earlier, where the Dodgers couldn't get this figured out for – or he couldn't get it figured out, or he was just hurt. It, you know, uh, it's probably some combination, and probably being hurt is a fair part of it. But he does look great, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's too bad. I don't have him in any leagues. It's great for the Cubs. I can't remember the structure of that contract for them if they have an option for next year or not. But uh, mutual uh, option. Uh, whoops. <laughs> but I guess you got to do what you got to do to get him signed. But um, yeah, he looks good. He's going to cash in next year. He keeps us. He's going to get a ton of money if he if he yeah. stays healthy and kind of. He's a center field. He's a great center fielder. You know, I mean, and he's <laughs> he's heading to market as a twenty eight year old. Um, so you you know, a team's going to just be like, well, we're getting five prime years, four prime years. Um, where so I, I ended up ranking him 44th overall on my update. Wow. Uh, and that was from he was in the 200s. Um, wow. <laughs> so just a gigantic rise for him. Uh, is that am I overreacting? Does this kind of you know lower end of the top 50? Does that sound about right to you? Uh, where do so you think he you should be? When you do them, are you just like dynasty startup draft today? Go and boom, 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 boom. Uh, it's just I, you know, dynasty rankings. I, it's not that I don't enjoy doing them. No, dude, I just don't like. It. Uh, Sorry, I'm ne- I'm just never satisfied. I never I never release my dynasty rankings and feel like oh man I just I nailed that I crushed it. Uh, like I'm always just like like half an hour later, I'm just like, Oh man, I put that guy too high or I put that guy too low. And then obviously there's just so much context involved. Like if you're a rebuilding team, if you're a contending team. So I, I never feel good about the dynasty rankings and it's just, it's kind of more of like a, a tool. Like I definitely wouldn't suggest using them as kind of like, Oh, this guy and this guy are right next to each other. I'm going to like offer them one for one in a trade. Like you have to look at your team. You have to look at, uh, all kinds of factors, but um, yeah, basically, basically it's more kind of like a, kind of a tiers of guys. If, if there was a startup or if you're kind of looking at like the ballpark of players that you could try to trade these guys for, but they're very loose. They're very, they're very loose rankings. Um, so yeah. Uh, but, I think yeah, someone back. would take him there though. Like, I mean, I would, I would think he would be gone by the end of the, fourth round and if he's not gone by the end of the fourth round he's gone by the end of the fifth so like he's not getting out of the top 75 right now and even then there's no way he gets to 75 because it's somebody's gonna be like what if this is just cody bellinger now you know like um yeah i remember when you were gonna break it up by contenders and rebuilders and and i was like holy shit that is gonna be such a monster like I don't know. It's a huge task. I'll just get spreadsheet brained. Like when I used to do like a 200, a top 200 prospects on the spreadsheet, 
to just sort of work through it. I'll just lose my brain in it. Like, I don't know. I'll be looking at the spreadsheet too long and it just. <laughs> I, I love doing I the, love I mean, the, the contender and rebuilder rankings. I thought that was like the best way to do it. It's um, a great idea. I thought I'm being useful, but it's just, I just can't, you know, it, it's, it's not torture. a human brain. I mean, it's not like a human brain. I don't know. I thought it was a great idea. Yeah. It's torture just putting together these rankings. Um, so doing them twice, it's just a, it's a lot, and it's definitely not something for in season. Maybe maybe next off season I can do that again. But um, and the nice thing about a draft is you don't have to be the guy who goes exactly where Cody Bellinger goes. You just have to have him in a range, and then somebody takes him, and you move on with your day. You know, he went forty seconds. But with the rankings, it's like I got to be the guy who makes every one of these draft picks. So. Oh, yeah. Just for, for context among outfielders, I have Bellinger just behind uh, Randy Rosarena, Brian Reynolds, and then just ahead of Byron Buxton and Jordan Walker. Um, and I, I feel okay with that. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds like the right range. So um, let's talk about Jorge Mateo. Uh, I was just so wrong about this guy. I it's basically become my, my task uh, to be wrong about Jorge Mateo every year. And uh, this year, it seems like I was more wrong than even in past years where uh, he was quite productive. Um, this is just so bizarre to me that he's striking out under 16% of the time. He's got a 299 ISO. Like who, who the hell is Jorge Mateo uh, going forward? yeah i uh what was i looking at okay so i was looking at uh third 30 team league the raz 30 i have manny machado and austin riley and i was gonna try to move riley or try to move machado and i'm thinking the guy's been trying to get rid of mateo all year he's been offering mateo since before the season started in the chat and nobody's taking him up on Mateo. So I'm thinking if I can turn Machado into Mateo plus, and then like the only thing is McClanahan. So that's where I'm at is what I offer 30 team league, Manny Machado, who's my, who has two utility spots, no middle, no corner, um, backup third baseman functionally, first utility for Jorge Mateo and Shane McClanahan. And then I thought it feels like 100% that guy's not going to do that. Like Mateo is so loud right now that it's just sort of an auto reject. What do you think? Well, I, I, I prefer McClanahan to Machado straight up. Probably. Straight up. So yeah, it's out the window right there. Yeah. But so are you like, I didn't know where to put Mateo and, and I do these for OBP, uh, I ended up putting him at like 200. Um, am I just being way too stubborn and not buying in here? Or is that like, I, I just don't know. I, <laughs> do, you, do you have a I mean, ballpark takes, for how you value him? It takes such a monster shot to get it out to left field there that it's hard to believe he's going to help in power the way he has so far. But I've always liked Mateo. I, I think um, 
I don't know. I, I, I'm more inclined to believe that he has learned how to turn more of his uh, double plus athleticism into baseball skill um, than that it's just going to sort of revert. Maybe it'll revert to somewhere between, but I just am more inclined to believe that between he and Baltimore being Baltimore and this, you know, Houston transport iteration of Baltimore transplant uh, that they'll, that this is more real than fake. Um, because he's just a premium athlete. I mean, he's, mm -hmm. he's always been a premium athlete. How would you compare him to... And watch How would you compare him to Thyro Estrada? I, I prefer to have Estrada just because I believe in baseball skill more. Um, but I, I think that's, yeah, that sounds like the right area, but Tyro Estrada is not an easy guy to evaluate. Like the stuff he has put on paper over the last year plus a month is like a top 50 player, mm -hmm. you know, like, and, mm -hmm. and you, you can't rank him there. Right. I mean, cause nobody would take him that high, but just his outcomes, over the last 180 games, 175 games, or 20 homers, 25 steals. Yeah, I, I put Estrada yeah, I just outside the top 100, so about like 90 spots higher than Mateo because I like I just I think he's safer. Um, yeah, just kind of a safer bet to be someone that you get value from for the next few years. But I just again, I'm. I'm I'm not confident at all in where I have Mateo ranked and um, I, I think he, I'm in the right ballpark on Estrada, but again, I. Mateo the, the, does things at short that nobody else does at short. Like, like he is a top two, three shortstop in baseball right now, in my opinion on defense. And it's just like, uh, you can't get him off the field. Like I doubt they'll ever get him off the field as long as they have him under contract and he's healthy He's just too good at defense to take out, which is like, uh, again, we're back to that. It's hard to evaluate that. And I thought that he would be, uh, I thought the defense would keep him out there for a bit. And then eventually it would get to a point where he was such a, like nothing on offense, you know, yeah, 267 OBP last year. Um, I just sort of thought eventually all the talent they have coming up would push him uh, into sort of either a utility role or as a, a guy that they would trade to a, a second division team. But I think you're right. Like, I think if he, if he's even just sort of half this good offensively, then the defense is good enough where he just doesn't, doesn't get moved off. And that's kind of what I think. I do think he's about probably half this good offensively <laughs> and, and that that's funny. Um, and maybe a little more than that, because, again, he's still and, – and he's swinging really hard. Like, one of the things I noticed watching him this year is that strikeout rate is he's dropped it by, like, 12% or something, and it's not because he's not swinging hard. Like, he is swinging with every single ounce of his athletic ability, which is which is hard to do in and of itself. Um, it's kind of – you know, it's like throwing hard. Yeah, and I mean, his, his contact rate is, is – is worse, right? Like, you know, he's got a, he's got a 75% contact rate. So the strikeout rate kind of oversells 
um, what he's doing in terms of the the hit tool. But um, yeah, it, it's just I, I feel like I'm just I've been wrong about Mateo uh, this whole time. I feel, and again, I just I don't know where to where to slot him. But it's a it's a big uh, it's a big nod for me to have him at 200 um, relative to where I had him before. Uh, so. This is just an old-fashioned either-or. Got Yandy Diaz, who's just been a machine, versus Nolan Arenado, who has probably had the worst month he's had in in years uh, offensively. So for Dynasty, Yandy Diaz versus Nolan Arenado, who you got? I got to take Arenado, but I don't feel great about it. Um, Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, it's hard to, and and you never know with the baseball, but I don't think the juice ball is the reason Yandy is, I don't think anybody does. The the reason Yandy is suddenly hitting a bunch of home runs if the ball is juice, but, um, I, I, Arenado's going to get better. It's one of the things I was thinking about when I was sort of saying Riley green, when I started crapping on Riley green, is this cold. And I don't know, I, I hadn't really looked at how many games he'd played at home or in cold weather sites. And it's easy to forget for me. It's just easy to forget in general, I think, that these games are not all created equal. Some of them are 45 degrees. And, and that's really hard. And so yeah, I think Aaron Otto gets better and Yandy probably gets worse a little bit. Yes, I mean, Aaron is not going to be this bad. Uh, I think the, the question with... Yandi is kind of, you know, so he's got his launch angle is way higher than it's ever been before. Um, and that's just what everyone's always wanted is for him to just get the ball in the air a bit more. Uh, ground ball rates down to 42.5%, which is way better than it's ever been before. Uh, obviously, a significant career high in, in fly ball rate. If all of those things stay the same, it's just really hard to not see a good chunk of this production being um, something he can take with him just because of the plate skills and how hard he hits the ball. Yeah, and I'm more likely to believe that, that he's achieved, again, like at least a fraction of this. You know, he's been working on it forever with Tampa, who's you know, inarguably good at this. And, and I, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like in a startup, I would way be, I'd be more likely to take Yandy than Nolan Arenado. I don't know that I would, I don't know where I'd rank them, but it's one of those things where I'd let somebody else solve the Arenado problem and I'll solve the Yandy Diaz problem. Like I'll, I'll try to draft him where he's at and let Arenado fall wherever he might. But I don't know if I can trade Arenado for Yandy Diaz today if I have Arenado. Um, and it, they're actually they're four months apart in age, which I don't think a lot of people would guess. I think a lot of people might guess that Nolan Arenado is like three or four years older than Yandi, uh, but they're basically the same age, which is which is kind of crazy. Um, okay, so this is a uh, this is sort of my Joe Ryan question uh, because that would be sort of my answer to this question. But which starting pitcher is now? someone that you view as a top 100 dynasty asset who would have really surprised people and maybe even yourself before the season. 
Yeah, it makes me think I should have shared my little document with you here because the, the first name that, that came up was Joe Ryan. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, and I, I don't know outside of the Tampa area how many people would have been shocked, but definitely it's a surprise. Like, like um, anytime somebody can just sort of add a split finger pitch that's really effective in one offseason. But I remember an interview somebody had with a Tampa – I don't remember player development person years ago. And he was talking about the way Joe Ryan can spin the ball and just that he has this really natural feel for the way his fingers interact with the baseball and the spin. And I'm still shocked that they not shocked Tampa, I guess has to do what they have to do, but they got three months in Nelson Cruz, I think or something for 40 three, bad. <laughs> three of the worst Nelson Cruz months that have been Nelson Cruz. And I, you can't feel bad for Tampa though. They got plenty. They're doing fine. It's just an odd. You just you just remember their mistakes. Like their mistakes stick out, and they never really seem to believe in Joe Ryan. And Joe Ryan always had some believers in the, you know, in the fantasy baseball realm, particularly among people who like watch a bit of minor league baseball. It was like, here's this guy who just goes out and dominates every single time, like. Um, and then for him to realize this isn't quite enough at the majors and come back, figure something new out. It's really cool. I, I wrote a bunch of stuff in reaction to this. I, 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 you know, it's hard to move pitchers up like that, but I think Ryan has done it. it does seem like the ball's juiced again, just watching games. And it seems like all those contact pitchers that kind of feasted last year would have been in trouble or are in trouble like Miles Mikolas and thinking of Quintana, but Quintana got hurt and some contact pitchers who really feasted. And so like the dominant pitchers are bash back in fashion. It feels to me like uh, Hunter Brown had a misstep last night, but these rookies, because partially because of the pitch clock, it seems to soothe their translate uh, transition a little bit. Like they're more accustomed to the pitch clock than the hitters are, than the other pitchers are. And some of it's just like a backlog of good young pitching, I think, but like Mason Miller is just flying up the list. Bryce Miller, hard to say anything negative about him at this point. I really like Tanner Bibi, uh, Bybee. Whatever. I, I think Tanner Bybee is just a freight train. Like it's going to be really, really hard to stop him from just becoming like a number two fantasy pitcher. Like he's just Anyway, like I just think there's a lot of really good young pitchers. I was really surprised by Jeffrey Springs before that happened. I, I have him like everywhere. Like I'm a big, big into Jeff, Jeffrey Springs. And you can hear I'm talking about orgs all the time. I tend to just go really. And, and yeah, but Joe Ryan, man, I don't think I'm buying any of the like Sonny Gray, Justin Steele. I like Mitch Keller. All right. But I'm not buying Drew Smiley probably. Although I like your smiley too. Yeah, I think I think Steele is a sell high. Uh, Joe, I actually had Hunter Brown and Joe Ryan back to back in my ranks. They're the two pitchers that have double green up arrows on my my update. Uh, and I have I have Joe Ryan at fifteenth among all pitchers now, uh, behind Zach Wheeler, Framber Valdez, ahead of. Brown ahead of Kirby ahead of Cease. Um, Ooh. Yeah, is that is that hot? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, but I was thinking C's as I was looking this for like guys who scare me, you know, like uh, White Sox. I don't know. They don't. They just got DHs everywhere. I'm just so protective of my whip, and yeah, he's just a uh, he's a mess when it comes to that. <laughs> and uh, like Joe Ryan's just the opposite. Um, I'm looking at of all my pitchers in the top. 20 does he have the best whip um yeah he's it's it's like joe ryan as a as a 0.76 whip the only wow. other guy in the top 25 that's anywhere near that is uh jacob de and obviously he's on the shelf and they, they actually have identical whips um but yeah just i think now it's is joe ryan you know, I know you said like a buy high is a, is a tough thing to pull off. Is Joe Ryan a potential buy high? Like I think so. Just, yeah. Yeah, I think so. If, if he feels like the kind of guy you absolutely should not sell, and so he's no. a buy high. I mean, could you could you move? Uh, like, who's like the perfect kind of pitcher? Is 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 Cease too close to him in value to, to make that offer or is Cease kind of the perfect guy to make that offer with? Could you do it with like Hunter green? Um, I think you could with Cease and get something back. I think you could with Hunter green and get something back. And I think that makes sense because of wins and the ballpark. Um, like I, I don't think you have to go straight up Cease for Joe Ryan or Hunter green for Joe Ryan, maybe Hunter green. You'd have to go straight up. I feel like you, you could get something back. Do you think you could flip yeah, Shane Bieber for Joe Ryan? Yeah, I think so. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if you could get something back. And I'm talking picks, like third round picks. I like to collect medium, middle round draft picks if I can. Usually, people don't mind. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I would. I would definitely pursue those uh, with Joe Ryan because he is. Very, very good. Uh, okay, um, some quick hitters. Actually, I'll just I'll ask you about all these guys, and you can just tell me if you're. Um, are, what's your level of concern with Gunnar Henderson, Miguel Vargas, Tristan Casas, and Ezekiel Tovar? And if you're just not concerned at all, you don't even have to spend any time on it. But are any of those four guys—Henderson, Vargas, Casas, and Tovar? They're kind of red flashing lights with any of them. Um, I, I think uh, Henderson and Casas both have tended to get a little bit more value in the name arena than they were ever likely to produce on the baseball card. Um, Henderson has had some I, I, stolen base totals that I didn't that, – that, uh, He's a big dude. It's just hard to see him stealing a whole bunch of bases for Baltimore. And in Baltimore, with that Houston again uh, transplant, they and they're like I think uh, maybe even more stat built than some of the stat built parts of Houston. Anyway, it's not like Houston didn't run at all. It just seems like Baltimore wants you to be successful if you're going to run. Um, and he's not on first base a whole lot right now. But it's one of those things where I'm nervous because I was like right about Kalanick for quite a while until right now it seems like I am very wrong. 
And uh, that's sort of where I'm at on Gunnar Henderson, where it's like, yeah, I had him third, which is like, oh, wow, you really didn't like him. But I did did have him after Walker and Carroll. But it's, it's, uh, I don't know. He just doesn't look right to me right now. And it's not that he's not great and going to be good. It's just that he doesn't look right right now. Um, And I've been watching a little bit of him this last week and a half, just a little bit more of him. Just, he just is off. His timing's off. Looks a little slow. Like his bat looks a little slow. Like, and that's not usual for him. Um, so I'm kind of worried about him. Vargas, I thought he was actually hurt. I thought he really did that thumb thing from the spring, but he went four for five last night. And it looks like he's, uh, unless that was today, maybe. No, I think that was last night. It's all running together on me. Um, yeah, it's hard to be that worried about Vargas because of the the extreme plate skills and, and the setting. But, but uh, like the, the extreme plate skills will take you a long way. Tovar? If you're not a little worried about Tovar, I don't know. You know, it's hard. I, I don't, I'm not like super confident that Tovar is just going to suddenly um, be a great hitter. So I, I ranked Tovar 299 on this update. And these are for OBP uh, where he gets dinged a little. Uh, but I definitely tried to rank him in sort of a I'm not I'm not a believer in him turning things around necessarily. Um, yeah. And I'm with you on Vargas. I think he I, I think I still had Vargas like around hundredth uh, overall. Uh, with Gunner, I I wish that there was another prospect and it's, and you went with Walker um, first and then Carol second. I, I was always going to have Carol first and I just kind of, if there had been another prospect that I just really, really loved, who was super close to the majors, I wouldn't have had Gunner second, but I just sort of defaulted to that because of the fact he was going to open the air in the majors and, hits the ball really hard has uh, showed really good swing decisions last year. Um, but it, yeah, it's, I think I probably had him too close to Carol uh, before the season on, on the dynasty rankings. Um, and it's, it's frustrating, especially for people in batting average leagues uh, with Gunner because he's uh, he's either striking out or walking uh, 51% of the time right now. So Oof. just the ball's in play, and he's got four RBI in 24-0. I saw that last I looked, he was like 193-33 or something in the at, at batting average OBP split, which is quite the split, which is like, well, I mean, he's getting on base. So. I mean, that's – but, yeah, I, I totally – I think you describe it perfectly in terms of the ranking feeling. When you that feeling you get when you're putting Gunnar Henderson near the top of your list, no offense to Gunnar and his family or whatever in the Baltimore organization, but yeah, well, and a lot. Of, I mean, really smart outlets had him number one coming into the year. Um, yeah, over Carroll. Yeah, I I think Carroll. Carol's just in a, Carol's just a perfect fantasy player. Like that's that's he what really always drew me to him. Is like it's just you know forget real life rankings, forget 
you know, whatever else, like for just five by five Roto, Corbin Carroll is really, really like what it's all about. Um, and he, yeah, I mean, he's like hit Corbin Carroll's got a, a 22% strikeout rate and a, and a seven and a half percent walk rate. And that's, that's like exactly what I want. Basically it's just yeah. a guy that, you know, he's, he's swinging the bat. He's not uh, going crazy with the walks. Uh, he's running when he gets on first base. Um, he just, he checks kind of all the boxes really uh, as a fantasy prospect. Uh, now, Carroll's graduated. Gunner's graduated. Plenty of other guys have graduated. Is Jordan Walker the number one fantasy prospect in your eyes, or is it someone else? Um, I did. So I wrote as the Walker, but it's up for grabs. Um, I think Ellie could have taken it. Ellie De La Cruz, if he'd been healthy, could have taken it. Churio could have taken it, but he hasn't. He's kind of struggled. I think even like uh, if Jason Dominguez were hitting right now, Jason Dominguez is hitting 140. I, I mean, I, this was last night. I was looking at this stuff. I mean, and a 380 on base percentage in yeah. 17 games. What is going on down there? Like, I don't know. That's totally crazy. Um, I was thinking about Jackson Holiday is like, I don't want to jump ahead, but he feels inevitable. Like it's a matter of when you're going to put him first or if he'll have to, he has to do something now. It, to, it seems like, it seems like he's on a trajectory uh, to just inherit the number one overall prospect spot soon. If he doesn't already, I think Walker probably has it until he's gone for me. Um, but holiday feels inevitable. Uh, it's one of those funny things, like it's such a vacuum right now. It feels like a little bit up there that I was thinking of Encarnacion Strand and Mervis and not quite Manzardo, but like these types who would never be in consideration because they don't contribute in stolen bases. But the safety, it feels like Encarnacion Strand is just going to come up and, and hit 30 home runs forever. And, and it sort of feels like Mervis is going to do the same. Um and that makes them pretty rare, but they're probably not a great fit. Gavin Williams looks Gavin Williams looks untouchable. Like um, pitcher's never going to take that spot. But I almost jokingly <laughs> said that Mervis should be the number one uh, prospect at this point, <laughs> but I I, I, mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take him over personally. I wouldn't take him over Manzardo if I were going with a first baseman like that. Um, but I just more of just kind of a tip of the cap to Mervis for uh, just how, how good he's been so far this year. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I ended up going with uh, Jordan Lawler, who you didn't mention, and then Jordan Walker and Jackson Churio and Jordan, Jackson Holiday back to back to back to back uh, in kind of the mid, the middle of the top 100. Um but I, I, I definitely don't think it's clear cut like who the top guy is right now. And I hope that it's uh, more clear cut when I update the prospect rankings in about three weeks. Um, but yeah, it's Jackson tough Holl- to see all these guys struggling. Like I, I look, I had Lawler written in, I just didn't mention him. And I think it's cause I looked at him and he's uh, yeah, he's hitting two Oh six. And uh you know, he's got a 360 OBP and a 456 slug. So he's he's producing. It's just 
it's just well, hard so, when they're hitting 206 you know <laughs> yeah i mean the so like lawler's hitting 206 360 obp walker you know it's not enough really games for us to mention his he's not size. doing great in triple a though so far <laughs> no i mean it did seem like he's he was just immediately trying to hit his way back to the majors which yeah. never works um no. and then churio like you know you watch if you just watch kind of the highlights of all these guys churio's highlights are kind of the loudest to me um yeah I agree. but he's sitting there with a 293 obp uh jackson holiday amazing amazing prospect i wouldn't mind it if he swung the bat a little bit more um he's kind of doing the, the gunner thing right now uh where it's just a ton of walks and i know that that's what he's being told to do and everything but it's it is a little annoying just how how often holiday walks um but what do you think about you and your caminero how close is he to this conversation for you? Because he was, uh, I think he was the sixth rank prospect for me because Brett Beatty still counts as a prospect uh, on this, this update, but uh, where, where are you at on, on Caminero? And am I maybe putting the card ahead of the horse a little bit with that ranking? No, why? no, no. I think why not? I think, I think especially like we're talking about Mervis, <laughs> you know, especially yeah. in this vacuum of like, there's nobody you look at and think um, right now, like that guy's definitely going to do it. Um, and so I think I wrote, I had an article, I had a deadline at 2 PM for Rasball today. And I wrote this little blurb about my, my brother where I, my brother reached out to me that he wanted some saves in a dynasty startup. And that Junior Caminero wasn't available. <laughs> it's like that's the that's the discussion. Like, let's begin by saying this player in high A is not available, but I'd like some saves. And it's just like uh it's kind of like that's where he's at as a player, is you just tell the other team he's off the board before the conversation well, begins. You know, he, he's just if you have Junior Caminero in a dynasty league, like like the leagues where I have him. It is that is sort of how I begin conversation. It's kind of like, no, <laughs> just say no, some words. Who else do you want? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's it's exciting. I mean, it, every single player we talked about. I mean, Christian Encarnacion and Strand. Uh, so tough to uh, figure out where to sort of slot him as a prospect. Uh, but you know, someone asked me. Um, because I had Christian Encarnacion Strand just outside my top 50 on the, the preseason rankings. Someone asked, like, who's most likely to hit 40 home runs? Who's not in your top 50? And it's it's CES all day, uh, especially because of that park. But just you know, he's gonna swing the bat, uh, and he's got monster raw, and he's gonna play every day, and he's gonna be in one of the best, the best park to hit home runs in. So how do you sort of square all that with the fact that he just swings at everything? <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's tough. Uh, yeah. Glad I, and he's glad I don't have to do the rankings right now. <laughs> and he's kind of like Alonso reminds me of Alonso and that he's just, he's just a giant out there and um, he'll have to learn to, to lay off. Cause I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it's, 
seemingly too easy for him right now, or has been too easy for him for a little while. Kind of needs the major league challenge. Even in spring training, it seemed kind of too easy for him. And so we'll see. Yeah, I really hope that we see him up and we see Mervis up in the in the coming days. Um, if we're still waiting on those guys in a few weeks, that'd be pretty annoying. But um, Itch, is there any anyone you want to talk about uh, that we haven't hit on before I let you go? Um, very open-ended there. Could be a prospect, could be a big leaguer. Uh, maybe we've hit on everyone. Uh, what do you think? Um, we mentioned uh, uh, the Reds in general with um, Ellie De La Cruz and Encarnacion Strand. I was in this week just realized Matt McClain is just on fire. And mm-hmm. there's not a great reason for Matt McClain to be in AAA right now. He's got, I think, seven homers and seven steals and a loud triple slash. Um, it's, it's hard to we're at this part of the year, like I was talking about with sorting your guys. Like if you're trying to sort your guys, get him up there and see what happens. Like, like you have to sort these guys eventually. And so if you're playing, but I like Barrero too. I mean, I like that they're giving Jose Barrero a chance this year and he seems to really have improved. It just seems like Matt McClain is breathing down his neck. Um, I like Michael Garcia. He got called up yesterday and I've always liked him. It seems like they, they, they played him yesterday. Uh, and so the biggest question is whether or not they're going to find room for him in the lineup. I think he'll minimize strikeouts and get on base. And it's a speed happy era for 2023. And I think he's a good fit, um, especially in an OBP league. Christian Robinson uh, got back on the, I don't know if he's, ba- I don't think he's back on the field, but they assigned him to AAA and uh, who knows what we're going to get from Christian Robinson, but it's the kind of thing where if he's available in your leagues, maybe just check. I don't know if you can fit him yet, but you definitely want to keep tabs on what's going on. Christian Robinson in Arizona. Um, I, I have a question here for a sell high in dynasty that I put some thought into. It was Kyle, oh, Harris, oh. Kyle Harrison and Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber seems to have attained sort of a reputational status as like a, a dependable power hitter, but he's also always a 200, mostly a 200 batting average. I just think he's a sell high if you have him and can get something for him. And Kyle Harrison is like, I just think pitching's really hard. And if you don't know where that'd be a sell, that'd be a sell low. Right now might be a sell low. He had a 2.25 whip last time I checked. I think he had an outing since then, but 2.25 is not, um, not a sellable whip. Um, (laughs) But if you could, Uh, You don't want want your whip to be like where most really, really good pitching (laughs) prospects ERAs are. Uh, (laughs) You really don't want those columns. I I could not agree more with the just see what you can get for Kyle Harrison. Um, Like there's there's a contingency of Kyle Kyle Harrison supporters out there. Uh, Maybe I don't know how how um, staunch they are these days, but. You know, anytime I tweet anything or write anything about pitching prospects that could help this year, there's someone who's offended that Kyle Harrison wasn't mentioned, and I'm just kind of like, <laughs> I sort of yeah. think that's why he came to mind right away. Is he seems like a guy who a lot of sources really like, and the public seems to really like, and I just think pitching's harder than that. Like, I just think you really have to throw it where you intend to, and. um 
Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that's like the most important skill in pitching. Like we are in a velo era, but it just, anyway, it's still, it's still damn near impossible to measure command. You just have to watch a lot and it's hard. Um, then you had some buy lows. I did mention Jason Dominguez is a sell high and, uh, but I, I have some uh, buy lows that are mostly just sort of closers like Hunter Harvey and, yeah, and yeah. Ron Marinaccio seems like a good time to check in on Ron Marinaccio. Maybe Michael King. I doubt Michael King might be rostered in a lot of leagues already, but Clay Holmes is really struggling, and he is just Clay Holmes. I mean, it's not like it's not like he's a rollist Chapman. And he took. I mean, I mean, he bumped Chapman. It's like things things happen back there. Marinaccio is awesome. I, I kind of think it's Marinaccio, but King does seem to have pole position. Um, I really like relievers in dynasty. I really like going to get right now. I'd go get Jason Foley if I could. I think he got picked up in the Highlander this week. And that was really sharp. I thought because Alex Lang is pitching great in Detroit and they would have no reason to not sell him if someone wanted him. Um, I just think there's always a lot of value there in the, the Hunter Harvey, Ron Marinaccio uh, realm. If you can sort of keep, you know, who might be a buy high medium is Brent Rooker. Like Brent Rooker, I mean, it could just immediately come collapsing down. But uh, he, he and J.J. Blade are both interesting to me in Oakland as like buy really lows. But that's all I really did. Jonathan Clace, you know, probably already owned. Geraldo Perdomo. I don't know what to do with that one. Seems like you want him, though. <laughs> it seems like a dude is on the way up. Perdomo? Yeah, yeah. I think you could still buy him. I think I, I definitely, I don't think people really res- respect what he's doing as something that's sustainable. And I kind of, I don't know. I, I kind of include myself in that. Um, you know, I, like, are you seeing like some sort of sustainable growth from him? So uh, part of the reason I like him uh, now is I just always thought he wasn't strong enough. Um, like he, he has a lot of other traits that work as a switch hitter at 6-2-2-0-3 is what he's listed at now. And he's always controlled the strike zone pretty well. Um, he just doesn't have the impact on contact to, to, you know, to do anything with it, but he's been so good this year that I tend to think he's earning more opportunities and, and I don't know what he costs. I don't want to like treat him as if he's going to hit 300 in a trade. I, I just think he's hot right now. And, and he's a big switch hitter with great plate skills. And, uh, you know, I, I, I liked him a lot years ago and then he, has been bad for a long, long time. So I guess this is just, there's some of this that's just a remnant of, hey, Perdomo. <laughs> He's got a 30%. Like. Um, I, I liked him a lot too. Uh, I kind of just assumed I got that one wrong. Um, and I, I mean, you're right. I, I kind of agree with everything you said. Uh, he just doesn't. He's just not going to barrel the ball, um, which is tough. 
uh, especially when he's, he's not, not really running. It would running be either. It, it would be nice if he were running. If he were running, he wouldn't be able to get him. Um, True. And so the guess, the hope is, but I don't know. He's probably not a guy you trade for. He's probably another guy who either you have him now or you don't. And you yeah. just ride him out while he's good and then drop him when he's not. Well, exciting way to finish. <laughs> what an exciting hit. <laughs> Turn over Domo. Eh, hey, maybe. For the, for the five people that are still listening, uh, they yeah, got, yeah. Got the tip on Geraldo Perdomo there. So, um, <laughs> you're welcome. Itch, it, it, what, are, what do you got uh, going on? Do you want to let people know like where they can, uh, where they can read your, your work and follow along with what you're doing? Um, I'm at Rasball. I have a Wednesday afternoon article and a Sunday leadoff spot article and, uh, do the stash list on Sundays pretty frequently in terms of like a top 10, top 15 for a redraft purpose prospect. I will reshuffle the top hundred at some point after the school year. Um, it's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely uh, follow the itch. Uh, you can follow him at the prospect itch. Um, inaugural winner of the Highlander Dynasty Invitational, and probably safe to say you won't be going back to back, but uh, that, <laughs> I'm <that's>... trying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be in that mix, but uh, <laughs> the, the odds are stacked against you. Uh, that's that's for sure. Um, Thanks for having okay. me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you hopping on. We'll, we'll definitely do it again. Uh, excited to see what you do um, with your uh was it fan favorite or no yeah i think it's a fan favorite coming up yeah, it's coming right up isn't it i forgot thanks for reminding me <laughs> yeah, I forgot. well uh this has been the roadwire prospect podcast i'm james anderson uh, brought to you by rival fantasy and i'll be back next week going to continue talking a lot of dynasty and a lot of prospects this month so uh stay tuned and thanks again to the itch for joining me yeah thanks for listening